So I'm going to open today with a passage from 2 Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take it captive. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Today we're going to learn about that. Does everybody here practice taking thoughts captive before you dwell on them? Taking them captive before something enters your mind? Because our minds don't really know what to do with it otherwise. You either tell your mind how to deal with information or it just absorbs. It's passive. It'll just absorb. We're going to learn today what that does. Let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, God, I pray that we'll learn something from you. I pray that there's somebody here today, God, that... Um, needs this message. And God, I pray that you will change us, change this church. Help us to always be wanting to be something better for you, something greater for you, and diving into your word more deeply every week. I thank you and praise you for all that you've done for us this week. In your name, amen. So I want to start with a question. It may seem like a simple question, but I'm starting with a question. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? Most of you are all sitting here today and you are someone, right? You're a product of something. You're a product of time. You're a product of things that have happened to you. You're a product of that. Everyone here is something. And in six weeks, you will have become what you are then, right? We're constantly becoming someone. So the question today is, who is it that you want to become? Do we even think like that? Well, I already am. I'm Jeremy, and I, this is how I live. This is what I do. You know, I am who I am, right? No, we're all becoming someone. We're, tr- we're supposed to be transformed if we're Christians. We're supposed to be being transformed into something greater, into something better. So who do you want to become? Donald Trump. <laughs> That's an interesting goal. That's an interesting goal. So... Whether you're young or old, male, female, saved or unsaved, we're all doing things right now that shape our future. Everyone has to make decisions that will shape their future. I hope we can agree on that. That's sort of my premise for the morning. Everyone is doing things right now that shapes your future. So this sort of begs the second question, and that's, why are you here today? Why did you come to church today? For some of you, the answer is easy, and that's, it's Sunday, and I go to church on Sunday. I always have, I always will, and that's just part of it. Whether I like that service or not, I, I go every week. Um, for some of you, you want to know what church is about. You want to know what's going on. Maybe you haven't been in church very long. You want to find stuff out. You're going, you're going to find things out. But I hope the one thing we have in common is that you're here because you want God to shape who you're going to become. That's why you're here. You want to learn about God and what he's doing and how to become more like him, how to become more like his son. So in my first couple of sermons here, we've looked at God's peace. We looked at peace um, in relationships. We looked at how if you're looking for peace in other people, you're never going to find it. Peace on earth is not found in other people. They will let you down. They will rob you of peace. And then we went on to look at um, peace 
when anxiety is coming in and how to pray great prayers to a great God who's bigger than your situation. And today we're going to kind of finish off with the peace topic. And the peace, we're going to be looking at finding peace in the midst of a world that's trying to bombard you. Does every, everyone here, when you leave today, you're going to start to get bombarded again if you, if, if you come into contact with almost anyone or anything. If you turn on the radio, if you turn on the TV, this world's kind of set up to bombard you with information. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, but you're going to get bombarded. <clears throat> so if you let a world that is set up right now to mess you up bombard you, then the product of that can be that you're, you get a little mess. You get a little messy. Um, there is a spiritual war going on. Well, we know Satan loses in the end, right? Amen, hallelujah. Satan loses in the end. But right now we're in the midst of a little bit of a spiritual warfare. And right now he's the, he's the prince of this world. He's kind of in charge, Satan is. And he's cunning. He's cunning. <clears throat> he is constantly working to set up the culture of this world to affect the way we think. He's looking to help you be as desensitized to as much sin as possible. He wants you to be just right with everything. That's, that's comfortable for him. He's comfortable with a church that just kind of sits there. We're okay with sin. We're okay with this. We're okay with that. He, he wants that. He wants you desensitized. He is looking um, to rob you of as much peace as possible. He robs you of peace. You become less effective for Christ, Right? When all I can think about is what's going on in my life, all the problems that I have, he's looking to help you find that. Here today is your problem for the day, Jeremy. And if I let him, he'll, he'll help me think that through. My finances or my kids or my work or whatever, there's stuff that's awful that I can, that I can dwell on. So he's constantly trying to set this up. Why is he doing this? He be, it's because he knows if he can shape the way we think, he'll shape who we become. He wants a church that is selfish, arrogant, unloving, and lazy. He wants a church full of people that come to church every Sunday saying, what can I get out of that today? That's the attitude he wants you to have. What can I get out of church today? Instead of, I'm going to church. What can I give to somebody else today? Who needs me today? Who needs my love today? And who can I be in fellowship with today? Those are two very different things. But he set up a culture for us where we think that way about everything. What can I get? What can I get out of this today? So he likes that way of thinking, but today I want us to give him something that makes him uncomfortable. I want to give him a church that shows up on his radar as being annoying. I want this church to be annoying to Satan. I don't want it to be one that he thinks, I don't have to worry about Interlake and First Baptist Church because they're not effective anyway. I'll go do something with somebody else who's effective for Christ. I'll mess with them. I want this church to be annoying to him because if we think the way he wants us to think, no one's in heaven because of that. There's no more people in heaven because we're thinking the way he wants us to think. So as we look at peace, our main theme is going to be looking at what it is that determines who we will become. So again, who do you want to become? Do you have a set list? Maybe get ready by the end of it to have a set list. It's important. It's important to have things you want to become. 
How you think determines who you will become. So when you, if you've got your notes in front of you today, there are blanks for you to fill in if you'd like to. And the first blank is think. How you think determines who you'll become. Does everyone understand the concept of you are what you eat? Probably by now everyone gets that, what that means, right? I love Texas Roadhouse because I love steak and I love mashed potatoes and fried pickles and fries with lots of junk on them. And I have to make that a special occasion because if I ate there every single day, you all would notice a, a change in me in a very short period of time. Probably in less than three months, you'd notice a pretty big change in me. And in six months, my doctor would probably have a big problem with where I was at because I was eating there every single day. So it's important what we take into our bodies. The exact same principle is going to be what we apply today to our minds. It's, it's very important what you allow into your head. What you allow into, head, into your head makes you who you are. So let's look at how this normally works. This is how Satan set it up for us. So we'll, we'll review it and then we'll discard it. We're going to say this is how he wants it. Then we're going to discard it and say this is what's better. If you fill your head with negative thoughts like, I'm no good. No one loves me. I'm garbage. I'm ugly. The future looks really bleak for me. Then you have emotions that follow that. If that's where your thinking is, your emotions will follow. Have you noticed that how you're feeling emotionally usually follows what you're thinking about that day? So those emotions are usually then what affect your behaviors. So you've got all those negative thoughts, you're feeling kind of low, and then your behavior is such. It goes something like this. You're miserable, so you, have poor, you make poor relationship decisions. You buy things that you don't have money for and don't need. Uh, you drink more than you should. You eat more than you should. You try to escape your situation, um, and then you come to the consequences of all those behaviors. Right? All of those have consequences. You make poor relationship decisions, eventually there's not a lot of people left for you. There's not a lot of people who you could say do love you. And you eat too much, drink too much, your health goes downhill. The consequences turn out to be, look, I was right. I am ugly. I am messed up. The future is bleak. That's that pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is setting you up for Repeating that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because you're starting off with how you think is negative, how you feel goes right along with that, and then your behavior helps you prove it's all true. Now we're going to look at the opposite of that. The opposite of that is actually true as well. If you have the right kind of thinking in your head, you have the right kind of emotions, the right kind of behaviors, and you prove that it was all true, that what God said was true. So that's what we're going to look at. So the one that starts with a matter with thinking this way, I matter to the God who created the universe. That's a little different than I'm ugly and I'm worthless. I am loved. I have talents. God loves me. God has a plan for my life. God is good. This pattern ha has you having good emotions, which will impact your behaviors. This will get your thinking off of yourself, too, and usually onto others. This is where you become effective because all of a sudden, it matters more 
what other people what other people have going on because you're okay with the fact that God's forgiven you and that you're going to heaven with him he's preparing a place for you people will be attracted to you because of the way you live your life and you will have figured out that those positive thoughts thoughts turned out to be true I hope that this pattern sounds a lot better than the first one I hope that this sounds better that you'd rather see the consequences of positive thinking than the consequences of negative thinking. So how important is what you put in your mind then? I'm going to say it's the most important decision you make every single day. What you allow into your mind is the most important decision you'll make every day. And it is a decision. If you, if you make no decision, that's making a decision. You're just allowing whatever. You have to decide right from the start, I decide what is going to be in my head. And this is how we're going to do it. So before we, everybody can turn their uh, Bibles to Philippians 4. It's also in your notes, but we're going to be looking at Philippians 4, 8 through 9. And I'm going to remind you of the context of these people that Paul is writing to. These people lived in a culture that valued power. These people lived in a culture that, as far as sin was concerned, anything went. This was a culture where uh, there were brothels on every corner. This was, a Christ- this was a culture where Christians were actively persecuted for being Christians. This is the group that he's writing to. It isn't that much different than the group we have today. We need that just as much as they needed it. 80% of these people were slaves. 80% of that, new, that early Christian church were slaves. They were not treated well. This is the group he's writing to. So as you open your Bibles, it's Philippians 4, 8, and 9, and I'll read it to you. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. I don't know about you, but I want that God of peace at the end. That's a great promise. That's a great promise. The God of peace at the end is a great promise. So what we have as we break this down is we have two commands and a promise. And we're going to do... We're just going to pull this apart for the rest of the time. We're going to look at each one of these and what it actually means and what it actually means to practically think on these things and then what should be the end result of that. So the command is dwell. So you've got another blank there. It's dwell on these things. There's going to be six things. And we're going to say dwell. Dwell here means to have thoughtful consideration. You're very thoughtful about this. You're dwelling on it. This is the process of reasoning and thinking on what might be morally right. You're actually thinking these things through rather than just letting them come to you. Dwell on these things. So we're going to do a little word study on each, um, and then we're going to give ourselves some questions to go along with it. And what we're going to do is create ourselves a filter, a screen for our brains, a screen for our minds, so that when something's coming in, Before you dwell on it, we're going to look at, is it true? If it isn't, you can discard it. We're going to look at, is it pure? If it isn't, you don't have to think about it. 
So we're going to use, we're going to set this up as a screen. No one here is going to escape reality. There is negative stuff out there. There is a whole lot of mean and nastiness out there. And you may be experiencing some of it right now. But you can choose how you think and what you allow to your mind. And that we're, that's what we're going to look at. <clears throat> the, the word study itself is uh, directly out of a, um, a book by Chip Ingram. I kept the word study from him because the, the definitions are good. So we're going to use that just as the framework. Okay, so there are poisons entering your mind right now that you're going to identify, eliminate, and replace with this better way of thinking. Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. The first one is true. Think on things that are true. This means objectively true. That which conforms to reality versus things that are deceptive or illusions that promise peace and happiness. So start out, you need to start every day deciding you're going to think on things that are true. Because you can start your day by default thinking about things that aren't. So John 17, 16 through 17, this is where Jesus is praying for his disciples. This is what he says. They are not in the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So that's where you're going to start. If you want to know where the truth is, God's word is where the truth is. If, you want to, if we want to see what that's like, you've got to go to his word. So dwell on words that are positive and true from God's word. What are some truths that you can start your day with? Rather than waking up and I, it's a Monday morning like I'm going to do tomorrow morning, I'm not necessarily going to feel like I want to go to work tomorrow morning. Is anybody else going to do that tomorrow morning? I'm not necessarily going to feel like that. And so I'm going to start thinking a little negatively right away. Like, boy, I don't want to go. Man, I'm not all that good. Boy, I don't, I don't have good conversations sometimes with people. Here's some things to replace that with. Think about things that are true. I am a son of the living God. I am forgiven. God has a plan for me today. God has given me gifts, and I can use them today. He is a preparing a place for me. This is drastically different than starting your day with, this is going to be awful. This is going to be awful. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. If you shape your day by the truth God has for you, you'll, you'll want to spend the day proving that's true. You'll want to spend the day proving that it's true. So set yourself up with this question before you dwell on anything. Is this the truth or a lie? When you get bombarded with ads on TV or for things that will fix you in the next 90 days or the next 24 hours or whatever, those things that will fix you, or statements from politicians or media or posts on Facebook, make sure you decide first, is it true? Is it true? Because there's lots of stuff around us that we can dwell on. You can waste time on because it's not true. It's not even true to begin with. Don't, don't dwell on it. The next word is honorable. This is translated as grave, worthy of respect, dignity of holiness. It refers to those things which reflect the seriousness of purpose of a believer's life. It inspires awe. What do you think about that inspires awe? Does anybody ever think about anything that inspires awe? It's not a waste of time. We're finding out right here. It's not a waste of time to be able to just think about things that inspire awe in you. 
It's positive. It's good. Maybe it's God's creation. Maybe it's life. You know, the miracle of a child and what has to happen for that to come together. Life. God's love. God's forgiveness. People. Even, I was talking to Mr. Way, he's going to talk about how beehives run. Go watch, go to, the, go, go to the Grange today and learn about how beehives run and then tell me afterwards right up why there's no God. Because if beehives can run the way they run, and that was evolved, yeah, come and you write that up for me and we'll, we'll have a conversation about that. And I'm sure he can have a conversation with you about it. The oceans, the human brain, the stars. Think about things that inspire you, things that are worthy of respect. We can waste a lot of time thinking about things that don't warrant any honor. There's nothing, there's no reason to dwell on them. So the question you ask yourself before you dwell on any of these things and you take that thought captive, that's how we started, we're going to take that thought captive. Does this honor or dishonor God? Does this thought honor or dishonor God? Does this movie honor or dishonor God? Heather and I don't get a chance to watch a lot of movies together, but we do like westerns. We both like cowboy movies. And so when one comes out and it looks like it might be good, we, we tend to want to watch it. We like it together. And we put one on a month ago and started off pretty okay. You know, it was, had the good feel, had the good look to it. It was getting cool. And then someone was killed. And that director clearly wanted you to feel like this was an over-the-top thing. It wasn't realistic. It was just for nonsense gore kind of thing. And something immediately in my heart just kind of went, eh, I, I don't like that very much. You know, and that's the Holy Spirit trying to say, is this honorable to me? Are you think, is this movie honorable to God? And did we turn it right off that second? We didn't, but it didn't take long. We pretty much found other things to do, and then we just turned it off. Um, the message I'm giving you is not, you know, you're only allowed to watch PG-13 movies. That's, it isn't the message I'm going to give you. I'm not going to define that for you. you. You'll have to define it for yourself. But one of the things that you'll find is when you're thinking about things that are honorable, it's like your, your soul is much more in tune with what's not. It's much more clear to you right away, this is not honorable. When you start thinking about the greatness of God and then you watch a movie that makes you feel kind of yucky about it, it's because God's showing you, look, this is what it's like to think about things that are honorable. This is what it's like to think about this other stuff. And that's a good thing. You're, you're starting to have this sensitivity to, I know what's good, I know what's not, and I know what to keep out of my brain. I know what to keep out of my mind. So that's a good thing. The next word is right. Similar to righteous. In the New, in the New Testament, it's referring to the Father or Jesus God's actions, God's character. It pictures duty faced and duty done versus seeking comfort, pleasure, and easy ways. That's an interesting statement for us. Pictures duty faced and duty done rather than seeking comfort, pleasure, and easy ways. Because this world is going to tell you, seek the comfort, seek the easy ways. Life is short. Get it now while you can. And... Um, this is to look at what is actually right. Something that is obviously right or wrong based on what God's words has to say. It's funny to me, I, and I do this exact same thing. I'm not calling anybody else out. I do this exact same thing. I know that lying, cheating, 
murder, stealing are all wrong. They're all wrong. And yet the TV shows who make it seem clever to do all of those things are appealing to us. If you can do those things really like cleverly, that's somehow cool. And yet if, if I had to tell you why, I don't think I could. Because I know those things are wrong. And just having those kind of benign ones in your head, if you think it's not doing anything to you, try taking them out and see what happens. Taking those things out of your brain and see what happens. So the question you should ask yourself before you do anything, is this morally right or wrong? Before you dwell on a thought, is this a morally right or wrong? The next word is pure. This is the same, from the same root word as holy. It means without defilement. This is a moral purity, an internal integrity, and without contamination. This one's a bit of a, I don't know, this is a game changer for me when I think this way. Because there's so few things around us that are actually pure. You rarely find something that's, that's pure, that's without blemish, that's, that's not broken in some way. People are certainly that way. You don't find somebody that is everything you've ever wanted without some drawback. There's always something. And we get so disappointed when it's not what we wanted it to be. But there's nothing here that's pure. You have, to think about, you have to think about God's holiness. You have to think about what God has done before you really uh, can find anything about purity. <clears throat> As Christians, though, we, we're longing for it. We have a longing for purity. Um, we almost, we're not reaching it in this life, but as we learned about in Sunday school, there's more than just this life. We're living toward heaven. We're living toward eternity. And we're longing for that. So as you're, again, taking that thought captive, whatever it is, before you dwell on it, will this cleanse or corrupt my soul? Before you think about it, will this cleanse or corrupt my soul? The next word, lovely. This is translated as attractive, winsome, beautiful. It pictures those things that call forth a response of love and warmth within us instead of Bitterness, criticism, and vengeance. So put things in your mind that are beautiful. Decide to. Decide to beforehand. Put things in your mind that are beautiful. Spend time with those around you, those who you love, your family, and decide before you get there that you're just going to love them that time. Don't expect that there's going to be an argument or they're going to do something that annoys you or, or whatever. Go into it saying, you know what? I'm going to dwell on something that's beautiful. And I love you. And I, you know what? That's how the day is going to go. So I just love you guys and that's okay. You know, spend time with your kids and tell them how great they are. Tell them, tell them what they're good at. They're good at lots of things. Tell them what they're good at. Rather than a, a criticism. Show others it's okay to be positive about things that happen in life. The opposite is a pretty regular state for people though. And that's bitterness. How many people around you could you define as bitter or overly critical? Uh, if you work with anybody, if you come into contact with anybody very often, this is a common state for people. And how happy would you say they are? They may even kind of give you a hard time and make fun of you just for saying, oh, that's a Pollyanna, right? You're always thinking everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. They kind of 
act like you're an idiot, right? You're kind of, you're not as intelligent as they are for having a positive outlook. Um, but let's be honest, who's harming themselves more? You fooling yourself into things that are okay, or them fooling themselves into th- everything is the worst it could possibly be? Who's harming themselves more? I, pick the, I, I want to pick the other one. It's not easy. I'm not saying any of these are easy, but pick the other one. Pick the other one. Pick that it's all right. So the question here is, when the thoughts are coming in, will this renew or harden my heart? Will this renew or harden my heart? Because we all have seen people who have hard hearts. And you've, we've all seen how you get there. And it's a lot of negative thinking. And families have this. Churches have this. Workplaces have this where people can't even talk to each other. People can't even look at each other because their hearts are hardened against each other. So before you even think about it, figure out if it's going to renew or harden your heart. Then we have good repute. This is translated of good report. Gracious. It literally means fair speaking. It describes the things that are fit for God to hear versus ugly words, false words, or impure words. Now think about the culture you live in and the words that come out of people's mouths all the time. And how flippant we are with words. How easily we use foul things. How we say, we say things that just get a response from people. Think about the video games that we play, that kids play. Maybe you haven't seen them. I've seen them. They're, not, they're, not, they're getting more and more and more violent and gory. And then we're shocked when a kid walks into a high school and shoots up the place. We're shocked by that, and yet we don't think it's a big, big deal that what they put into their head mattered. We found out later that what they put into their head mattered, though, didn't it? It mattered. Um, everyone that our youth are supposed to look up to, none of them, they're all with people that they're not married to. They're all doing drugs. They're all, you know, making fools out of themselves. The culture is promoting these people who are kind of entertaining, but our youth are looking up to them as if that's what's right. That's how they should live. And it's not good. So here's the question before you're thinking about it. Could I recommend this to someone who looks up to me? So before you pick out that book, I want you to think about it like this. If Jesus were in your book club, could you read that book? If he was reading that along with you, could you read that book? Would you read that book? Sometimes the answer is no, right? You wouldn't because Jesus would be knowing what you were reading. Guess what? He knows what you're reading. He knows what you're reading, whether he was in your book club or not. Don't pick that book up unless it's something you could read with Jesus. Would you watch that movie with your kids or your grandkids? Or with my kids? If you don't have either of those, would you watch that movie with my kids? Hopefully, you would discern that the answer should be no about some of these. If you can't, then why should you take it in? What are you gaining? What are you gaining from it? You're an adult, so you get to watch whatever you want? Well, I guess. But what are you gaining from it? How is that an intelligent move about your life? I don't think it is. So Paul goes on to summarize this with, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. So he covers everything else. If there's excellence, think about that. If there's greatness, think about that. It's not all spiritual. It's not all spiritual. When I look at someone who has the discipline, that has the kind of discipline, 
who can train for a major event for many years and go through the whole thing and, and lose and still have some sort of this, or win, but they had the discipline to go all the way through it. There's not a lot of people who can do that. It's not a lot of people. That to me is greatness, and I like thinking about people. I like hearing stories about that kind of thing. So the second command kind of goes, it just follows up with this. He says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. I just gave you six things to think about. They are not going to come naturally to you. So he says, practice them. Practice them. Make them a habitual part of your life. Decide beforehand that this is how you're going to deal with your thought life. And then we have the promise. And the peace of God shall be with you. This is, you think this way and you'll have more peace than you've ever known. He gave you six ways to overcome what's in this world and how to filter your thought life and you'll be able to experience peace because of it. And he promises you that. He says, here's your six things. Practice them and the peace of God will be with you. And that's, that's amazing. I hope that we want that. I hope that everybody wants that. I, I hope it doesn't seem unreachable. I hope these things don't seem impossible. So, in closing, I'll ask you again. Who is it that you want to be? Who is it that you want to be? It matters what you put in your head. And you have to choose what goes in. You have to be deciding what goes into your head. Because otherwise, you'll become what this world is shaping you to become. We pretty much have those two choices, right? You can be shaped by the world or you can be shaped by God. And you've got to pick one. It's not always easy. You're not always going to succeed. But decide beforehand that that's what you want. And we'll have, we'll have people who have changes in their life. So you probably, some of you might be saying to yourself, well, that's just kind of a naive way to think. Well, I'd be interested to hear where thinking the other way has gotten anyone. Because I have plenty, plenty of instances in my life where thinking the other way got me nowhere or hurt me, or hurt my family, hurt those around me by thinking negatively. It doesn't give me a leg up. It doesn't give me any leg up on the competition to think negatively, to just know about all the bad that there is. It doesn't give you a leg up. Know about all the good there is. That gives you a leg up. Think about that stuff, and that'll give you a leg up. So I'm finishing with this. Here's your challenge. Anybody get used to this with me, because I think I'm going to have a challenge at the end of every single sermon. Here's your challenge. Write down five things that you would want to become. Whatever state you're in right now, write down five things you want to become. Put them someplace where you have to read them twice a day. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, read them twice a day. Don't, you don't have to have a 10-step plan for how to achieve any of them, but put them down. Say, this is who I want to become. I want to become a better father. I want to be a better supportive husband. I want, you can get as specific or as general as you want, but write them down. Know what they are. And then you'll see where if you practice these six ways of thinking, those will be the consequences rather than the consequences you're facing now. Put those in your life and start thinking about them and these will be, you'll have great consequences. I know that kind of sounds crazy, but so at the end of 30 days, I would do it for 30 days. Try anything for 30 days, right? We've tried this other way for sometimes 80 years. We might as well try something new for 30 days. Try 30 days of saying to myself every day, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. 
I want to have a ministry in the church. God, I don't know what that is. I want to have a ministry in the church. Start praying that way. Start thinking that way. Start filtering what comes into your mind. And you're going to see a change in yourself. We'll see a change in you. A change that after 30 days, I don't think you'll want to give up. I don't think you'll want to give up. So for, pray for me as I try to do the same. So let's close. Heavenly Father, as these Christians leave this place today, I pray that you would uh, take the stumbling blocks out of their way, God. Whatever it is that's holding them back to make changes in their life that they've been longing to make. God, we all have these things that we, that we seem like we can't get over, God. I pray that you will change our thinking. Change our thinking that, so that it's focused on what you'd have us focus on. So that we can just eliminate these things in our lives that we struggle with that we just can't seem to get past. I pray that you'll transform these people. I pray that you'll transform this church so that we reach the people around us, God. I thank you for the blessings you bestowed on us and I pray that this week will be a fruitful one for you in your name. Amen. So we'll just go ahead and dismiss. We don't we won't